Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. And welcome back to another stabby snippet here on Three Spooked Girls. I am one of your co-hosts, Jessica. And as always, I am joined by my beautiful ghoul friend, Tara. Hey, Spooksters. And today's stabby snippet, we are going to be talking about the clown killer. Yes, yes. On May 26, 1990, Marlene Warren heard a knock at her door. She lived in a very safe neighborhood, and it was very exclusive. Like, it was an aero club community in Wellington, Florida. So she didn't think anything was amiss by going to the door. She lived in a very large house that was in a community that was surrounded by small, like, airplane hangars. So it was affluent, to say the very least. Mm -hmm. When Marlene opened the door, she saw a clown with white face paint, orange hair, and a bright red nose. Now, for Tara, this would have just been a terrifying sight anyway. (laughs) Yes, I would have slammed that fucking door. (laughs) No. (laughs) The clown handed her a bouquet of flowers and two balloons, and one of the balloons even said, you're the greatest. (laughs) Marlene either said, how nice or how pretty. It's been reported two ways because Marlene had guests over and also her son Joey was there. And then the clown took out a gun and shot Marlene in the face. Oof. Right? The clown then walked back calmly to the car. It was a white Chrysler LeBaron and fled the scene. Hearing the gun go off, Joey, Marlene's son, came out and found his mother lying in a pool of her own blood in the doorway. It was later said by a friend who was there by the name of Jean Pratt, who was a friend, She told investigators that her and Joey saw the clown escaping and that neighbors had also seen what was going on. And I'm not sure who ended up calling the police. I don't know if there was more people in the home or what, but someone called like 911 for her. But Joey and Jean jumped into a car and began to chase the clown down. She also made the statement that she couldn't tell whether or not the clown was male or female. That is an important fact to remember for later on. So tuck that away. Mm-hmm. Marlene was taken to the Palm West Hospital in Loxahatchee, Florida. The police began looking for the car, described by Joey and neighbors and Jean, and they also started a list of suspects. On May 28th, 1990, Marlene unfortunately passed away from her injuries. She was 40 years old at the time. Two days later, on May 30th, 1990, the car was found abandoned at a shopping center. So they had some leads. The who they thought it might be. And at the top of the suspect list would be Marlene's husband, Michael. Mm-hmm. It is worth noting that Marlene and Michael were having marital issues. It is also worth noting that Michael was also the beneficiary from Marlene's life insurance, which he got paid out June of 1990 for $52,359.39, which doesn't seem like that much. It's not the highest. 
I'm wondering if it was split because Joey sounds older. Yeah, that would make sense. So I'm wondering if Joey got something. Another reason why Michael was kind of suspected is he had an attorney, and we'll talk about why he needed an attorney in a little bit, by the name of Christopher DeSantis. And he was an attorney, and he gave a statement to the investigators about Michael. Apparently, Michael asked Christopher, what the ramifications would it be if a husband killed his wife on or for her estate? Basically, being kind of a dirtbag attorney, um, he gave him the explanation of, and mind you, this was all like hypothetical, but this was also done in a courthouse hallway. So, you know, not the appropriate place to talk about this. No. He said that if the husband got a friend that the wife didn't know, so someone not connected to the family or friends of that circle, the husband could get away with it scot-free was his exact words. So let me tell you how to get away with murder. Right? It's not like the TV show and Viola Davis <laughs> slays that show, but like, let's be honest here. She's the only lawyer in the world who's going to truly cover up your murders. Yeah. At least let's hope she's the only one and that she's super fictional and written that way. But you know. Any hoodle. <laughs> in October of 2017, Christopher DeSantis gave another statement when being re-questioned, and he clarified saying that he told Michael that if someone wore a clown suit, it would most likely be that people wouldn't be able to tell if that individual was male or female. Now, I told you to tuck that little thing away from earlier. Jean told the investigators that she could not tell if it was a male or female. Though she did say, kind of say that she thought it wasn't a female, but couldn't tell. Right. Not to make things worse, but it was actually discovered that Michael was having an affair at the time with a woman by the name of Sheila Keen. This tip came from Sheila's actual estranged husband. So that's fun. Sheila Keen, who was 27 at the time, was working at Michael's used car dealership in the repo department. I think she was kind of one of those people who like sat behind the counter and took checks and stuff like that. Gotcha. And the name of Michael's dealership was Bargain Motors, Inc. in West Palm Beach. Bargain Motors. That sounds... Classy. Right. Like, mama get a quality car there. <laughs> Sheila also became a suspect. And here's why. Numero uno. She was having an affair with the victim's husband. Number two. She was confirmed to be seen buying a clown costume at the West Palm Beach costume shop. She bought the same exact clown outfit that was described. Uh-oh. And she bought that like a couple of days before the murder. Number three, she was seen buying flowers and balloons at a Publix about an hour prior to the murder. Oh. Because all of this was circumstantial, the cops couldn't hold or arrest Michael or Sheila. Now, Michael is by no means a good person. In fact, he was known to be kind of a bad guy in the fact that he would cheat his customers by rolling back the odometer. Okay, Matilda's dad. Right, for real. <laughs> he gonna, what is he gonna do? Cement glue bumpers on next? Jesus. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Matilda needs to teach him a lesson. Where is she now? She is. Right? The world needs Matilda right now. For real. 
Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so Michael may not have been arrested for the murder of his wife or conspiracy to commit murder or like, you know, telling his girlfriend to kill his wife. I don't know. But he was convicted on racketeering and multiple other felony charges. And he was sentenced to four years in a minimum security prison. And he served his time in Homestead Corrections and was released New Year's Day, 1997. Now, you're probably thinking, where is Sheila after all of this? Well, in 1997, Michael and Sheila fled to Virginia. Hmm. The couple got married, would eventually get married and open a fast food restaurant called The Purple Cow in Bingdon, Virginia. They actually got married... They actually got married a few years or five years later in 2002 in Las Vegas Casino. We super classy still. Mm -hmm. So for 24 years, Marlene Warren's family had theories but had no answers. Well, in 2014, the Palm Beach County Sheriff's got a grant for $125,000. And we've discussed this, and if we haven't, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure we've talked about, like, how flippin' expensive forensics stuff is. Mm -hmm. When we saw Forensic Files 2 and we were there in that episode that they they showed us at the premiere, it's like $10,000 or some weird shit to get it, like, done. It's, like, so expensive. And I was like, why can't you just do, like, a little swabby swab? But it's, like, an intense process, so... So they got this money, and so they decided to reopen some cold cases. And thank God, Marlene's case was one of them. Mm-hmm. They really just got in there, and they started the the legwork all over again. Um, they started interviewing witnesses and reconnecting and looking at the timeline of all the events. And also, because technology had changed, DNA evidence that was collected in 1990 could now be reexamined for better results. The DNA evidence that was looked at in this particular instance were hair samples that they found at the crime scenes, which was both the home and the car. The DNA would show that Sheila Keen Warren had been the murderer or very at least driving the car. But (laughs) it's kind of like weird that it would be like the last thing you would do, Mm -hmm. you know, the last person in the car type situation. So, on Tuesday, September 26th, Sheila Keen Warren was arrested for first-degree murder. Sheila was very surprised because she had just come back from vacation with her mother. And when she was arrested, she was like, what's going on? Why am I being arrested? Is my husband being arrested? You know, normal questions. (laughs) It is also noted that once they moved to Virginia, Sheila gave herself a different nickname. Now, most people would think that she'd give herself, like, I don't know, a fun nickname like Shell or Sheel or, you know, something like that. Maybe off her middle name. I don't know. Mm -hmm. However, Sheila gave herself the nickname of Debbie. So most people knew her as Debbie. And they were Mike and Debbie who owned the Purple Cow. That's a name change. That's not a nickname. Like, come on. There's no way you get Debbie out of Sheila. Just no. Right. I have to laugh for a second because those are both characters from Shameless. So that's all I'm thinking about right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Uh, Equally crazy. Yes. Another show to go binge if you need something to watch during this time. (laughs) Yeah. I would say of those two characters, Sheila is my favorite. Oh, yeah, for sure. So after her arrest, after Debbie's arrest, an employee of the Purple Cow came forward with a story from her roommate and former coworker told her. The roommate's name was Danielle Sweetings, and she said that Debbie got drunk and confessed to her. Debbie said that she picked out the clown outfit and killed his wife. 
And you're just now telling somebody. Okay. I mean, you know how I have to play the devil's advocate here because you got to, because it's like you have to be like, is she being serious? True. It is pretty out there. I get that. Right. You wouldn't think that like, you know, oh yeah, his wife died. But which makes me think that people in this town knew that Mike had had a previous wife who had died. Mm -hmm. So Sheila goes to her arraignment and pleads not guilty. Okay. Right. Michael is insisting this is a witch hunt, that there is no factual evidence, the DNA is wrong, that blah, 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 a million different things. And he just thinks that he's being railroaded. He and his wife are being railroaded for the mysterious death of his first wife. It's like, okay, I get that you can't really... (laughs) like arrest people off of circumstantial evidence but it's like okay one she bought an outfit two she was sleeping with the woman's husband and three she totally had motive and the flowers <laughs> right and the flowers again i've said this several times divorce is way better than like life in prison i have a merch idea you should make a shirt that says divorce divorce not murder <laughs> No, 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 not even that. Divorce, the greater symbol, you know, like the math, greater than symbol, and then murder. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. Divorce is greater than murder. Just, I mean, I hear all that, like you hear, like, well, I didn't want to have to pay alimony or spousal support. Is prison going to be fun for you? No. Right? And in some cases, these people get the death penalty. You want to die rather than pay a check? Right. Also... It only lasts until they get remarried. Right. Come on. Come on, people. Come on. Quit killing people. Shit. So as of May, actually, as of now, Mm -hmm. Michael has yet to be charged with anything. They don't think he, I mean, they can't prove that he had anything. This isn't a Scott Peterson case where people can be like, I think he did it. Circumstantial for Scherzies. So Sheila was supposed to go to court in November, but then it got postponed. In November of 2019, which is like a really long time because she was arrested in 17. Right. So apparently things don't roll as fast in other places. The next date she was supposed to have was in February and she did go to court. But the only thing that was kind of decided at that, it was a February 7th, is they the court decided or the prosecution, I should say, decided not to press for the death penalty that it was just going to be like life in prison. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, she escaped you all for 24 years. Like, you might want to put that back on the table. <laughs> right. Just stating things. Mm-hmm. So that is officially dropped. She's supposed to go to court on May 30th, but with the world being in basic lockdown right now, it probably will get pushed back just because you have to think of like every case that that court would have to see that was supposed to be seeing right now or be seeing before hers, it's probably going to push it back even farther. But like Tara and I always do, we will keep you abreast of the situation. And we'll once there's more information, we will do an update for y'all. Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoyed this week's stabby snippet. We will see you back on Monday for our March Listeners Encounters episode. So have a great weekend. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>
Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. 